But if you're just joining us, we are in the week two of what is our vision series, a flip the script kind of series. We're believing that this, this year is a year that's been, we've been handed a script that says 2021, frustration, uh, fatigue, fears, anxieties, financial woes, and that's what the script in the world says. But we believe, as Christ follows, that we have got a different script. And we get to choose to flip the script and say, actually, that might be what the world says, but we believe that we have a heavenly Father who speaks different things for us. So we are encouraging you to flip the script, and part of that is reminding you of what we're called to, the vision of Life Changes Church. If you are a part of Life Changes Church, this is your vision, not a denomination vision, not a, a, an organization vision. This is our vision as people, as Christ followers here in Cape Town, is to reach far. Reach those who are far from Christ. We exist for, with that passion. We also want to raise up people to the fullness in Christ, not letting them settle for mediocrity, not settling for just safe, secure, sanitized living. Excuse the pun. Of sanit We're allowed to sanitize, but just spiritually speaking, if you get my drift. But also then to release wide that actually we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world. We exist to see people flourish in business, flourish in homes, flourish as, uh, wherever they find themselves, in schools, universities, whatever area you find yourself, that you're going to bring the kingdom of God there. And we're reminding our hearts of this. And maybe you're here today and you're going, wow, what a weird time to be talking vision. Maybe personally you're just sitting there and you're going, hey, it feels like my, my whole world is just a whole bunch of rubble at the moment. I'm just trying to come out and make sense of my own world. I, that sounds cool for you guys that there's stuff we're going after, but I'm just trying to make it through Monday to Tuesday. I'm just trying to make it to the Netflix show in the evening. I'm just trying to make it through to the weekend. I'm trying to make it through to payday. Gabe, just slow things down. It feels like my wife, my, my wife and my life. Careful. Just for Fiona, when you see this later, I love you. You're everything to me. Wow. That was a close one. Close call. But maybe it feels like your life is, is feeling like this little illustration next to me, feeling a little bit like rubble, feeling like it's a little bit in ruins maybe. Maybe your whole life is chaos right now and maybe you are here and you're saying that, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. How do I find my places? I want to help us today and remind us that yes, there is problems. Yes, I, we are not oblivious to the fact that there's struggles. We're not oblivious to the fact that that finances are tight, that opportunities have shrunk, that the world seems a much smaller place, and we are, we, we are not living in some different head-in-the-sand reality. But we are saying, actually, as we lift our head out of the sand, we're able to see that God is still on the move, and He still wants to do things in and through you. And I want to tell you today, this is the solution for you, is that God still makes beautiful things out of the dirt. He's still God who makes beautiful things out of our rubble over our brokenness. This is what God does. And, uh, and maybe I need to convince you a little bit today. Maybe online you're watching and you're saying, convince me of this, Gabe. Well, I'm going to do that right now because I'm going to take you right back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The first image we get of God before we read the text together, the first image we get of God is not thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. The first image of God as the curtains unfold on this grand story of history is not of a God who is distant, disappointed, angry, aloof, and watching us going, what are they doing? God is watching us. No, 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 that's not the image we get. The first image we get is we open the Bible, and maybe you don't understand this, but this is so true. The first image we get of God is that of a gardener. Somebody who is close, up close and personal with his creation, creating beautiful things out of the dirt. He's got dust and dirt in his fingernails, and he's moving close 
capture his people. That's the image we've got of God. So I want us to pray today because I really believe that God is not finished with us yet. We're going to read Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. It will appear on the screen behind me right now, I hope. This is what it says. It says this. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that none of us are here by accident. Though it may be feel like we've been walking through mud, feels like our lives have slowed down to a, a dreary pace. Maybe we're trying to just piece together broken fragments of relationships, of finances, of, of futures. And we got to this place and it feels like we've come up with nothing but just emptiness and sand in our hands. But I thank you, Father, that you are still at work with your people. You're still at work with your church. And you're saying, I am not finished yet. And I thank you, Jesus. Today, would you remind us that you have called us to be raised up into the fullness, the fullness that you have for us. Every marriage, every parent relationship here, every business owner. I pray, Father God, every single person here, every son and daughter of the living God is called to be raised up into all that you have for them. You make beautiful things out of the dirt. And remind that of ourselves today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Very simply today, three things from this passage in chapter two of Genesis from the beginning to remind you and my own fickle heart what we were made for. Number one is that we were made for intimacy. We were made for intimacy. You see, the incredible narrative of Genesis one and two is this. God speaking and the world, the cosmos obeying. God says this, he says, let there be light. And all the scientific implications of light and molecules and everything happening just obeys. It doesn't need a, a manual. It doesn't need like a step-by-step -step process. It doesn't need Google. It doesn't need Wikipedia. It just obeys. He says, let there be, and there is. Poof. Everything. Poof. Let there be land. Poof. Let there be sea. Poof. This is a sound effects. Yeah. Everything obeys. He just speaks, 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 boom, amazing. And then he changes tact. When he makes you and I, the prototype male and woman, when he makes humanity, those made in his own image, he doesn't just speak it. He bends low into the dust of the earth, and we found that he is hands down. This is the face of God. Right now in Genesis 2 is God molding humanity out of the dirt of the earth, something different, and he's making it. And here's the incredible thing is he is on his hands and feet, this God, this incredible loving gardener, leaning deep in with dirt in his fingernails and his hands, leaning over Adam as he fashions beautiful things out of the dirt. A lifeless being becomes life when God breathes his life into him. Face to face, the first face that Adam sees as he opens his eyes, take the first breath of air, and the first breath of air was not of, uh, of, of this oxygen or, or any molecules of earth, but actually the breath of God. As he comes to life, the first face he sees is of a gardener who is leaning over him with the kiss of life. I don't know what you image you have of God, but this is the image of God to humanity. A God who's not distant, who's not, who's not aloof, but a God who's leaning in. 
face-to-face intimacy. The whole Bible is parentheses like this. It starts with a kiss and the revelation ends with a wedding. This is how it goes. That's how my relationship went as well with Fiona, just to say. But anyway. But the incredible thing is this, is, this whole thing is not about uh, to-dos and, and, and moralistic views and not a God who's saying, yeah, they're trying to meet up with the standard. It's a love affair from the start. God wanting to have face-to-face intimacy with his people. We were made from him and we were made for him. I don't know how far you feel from God right now. I want to tell you right now. Look down this camera lens and tell you you were made from him and you were made for him. Everything else will not satisfy Pull yourself away from that, and we aren't, isn't that just the nature of the human heart, that God comes low and wants to breathe his life into us, and what do we do is we turn our heads and we point to our dirt. I'm not worthy. But he says, no, no, I'm the one shaping. I'm the one fashioning. And this is an incredible thing. I want to tell you, what do you think of when you say, right now, what is God thinking about you? Maybe you say, God is dash. Maybe your heads go, God is disappointed. Maybe you think God is angry. Maybe you're saying God is holding out on me. I want to tell you, wrong, wrong, wrong. Because of Jesus, because of God, His nature, His character, God's, the first image of God is not the last image that we see. We see the Father bending over you and I, wanting to breathe His life into us again. This is huge. I've got a four-year-old daughter, or a daughter who's four in two days, as she's counting down, painstaking every day. How many more sleeps, Dad? And the incredible thing is she's got to that age where every night after the, the bedtime routine is, is, is such that mom reads a story, then she calls, Dad, I want you to tell me a story. And I'm like, no, mom's read you a story. She says, no, tell me a story with your voice. What she's meaning there, it might be possibly a delay tactic before bedtime, which is possible. She's a cunning thing. But, but it's also this incredible privilege as a dad, I snuggle up with her and I start to tell her a story. She likes the story with my voice more than the stories of the book because in these stories, she's in the story and her dad's in the story. And the stories, also unicorns are in the story, that's just an aside. But, it, but the story always ends with her dad just amazed at how wonderful she is and how beautiful and how clever she is. And she loves that story. And maybe that's so cute and oh, sweet for a little four-year-old. But I want to tell you, you and I need to hear our Father's voice. Let me say it as clear as this. No podcast, no sermon, no book can suffice. It cannot take away the power of hearing your Father's voice. It's his voice of affection, his voice of his encouragement, his voice of discipline, his voice of love. That is the thing. If you want to grow if you want to move into the more out of the rubbles into what God has got to you, we have to understand this intimacy. There is no shortcut. Jesus said this way to disciples as he walks on the dust, the sand of the, of the beach. He sees them, he says to them, come, follow me. Powerful words, come, follow me, he says. And in that moment, it is an incredible understanding. It's a call to intimacy. He says, you, me, you follow me. Nothing else, no other genders, just I, I want you to be with me. God wants you to be with him. And there's this incredible phrase, a blessing that, that disciples would be, they would pray over disciples as they would follow their rabbi. This was the phrase. They said that, that you would get so close to your rabbi that you would be covered by the dust of his feet. Meaning that you would be so close to him that as he walks, the dust would cover you and it would not be a shameful thing. The more dust you had was meant you were closer to the rabbi than the rest. That's the invitation of closeness that we are called to. So I say to you today, Life Changes Church, May you know his voice. May you know 
his whisper. May you know his heartbeat. We are called to that intimacy. Maybe you've pulled yourself away. Maybe you've, you've, you fear your bad breath. Maybe you fear your, your mistakes and you fear all your dirt. He says, I make beautiful things out of the dirt. Come close. Come, follow me. The second thing that we're made for as we read this text together, Genesis 2, is that you are made for community. It's so profound. God makes Adam, and then he says this incredible phrase. He says, everything is good except for one thing. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Give me an amen if you're single and available. <laughs> Woohoo! It's not good for man to be alone, but actually, yes, he was talking about Eve and, and, and marital relationships, but he obtained there's a greater principle as we see scripture that he was talking about community. He was talking about fellowship, being with one another. Not as an optional extra, but he says categorically, it's not good for you to be alone. And this is so huge, especially in a time when we've been forced apart, when isolation has kept people apart, and we understand the reasons for it in this season. I'm not making a statement against that. I'm just saying that for too long, if we let that thing to get in our hearts, it will start to cripple us. Rampant individualism is not of God. We are called to be together. And there comes a time when the next Netflix queue just won't do. We know it. You'll reach the end. You think that algorithm keeps going. It's, at some level, it leaves you hollow. You were born for more than Netflix. You were more, born for more than that. And I want to say it in this way. Jesus on the beach, let's take you back there. He says, come follow me to the individuals. It's so profound what he says next. He says, and I will make you. Now, what is so huge about that line is that that first part is addressed to individuals. Every single one of us as individuals need to have a response towards Jesus. You can't rely on grandma's faith. You can't rely on your brother's faith. You. And yet, he doesn't stop there. He says, I will make the singular. He says, and I will make you. That word you in the Greek is plural. So he says, come follow me, you, and I will make you into a people. It's, it's so huge. It's so revolutionary. And actually, it's, it's so Bible because all the way through the Bible, when God talks about his people, he talks about his people. He calls us a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You can't be a holy nation by yourself. You can try. But actually, God calls us to be a people, a kingdom of priests. He calls us that, that he's forming a people for himself. And actually, I love this because actually when we look at this understanding, the disciples, I think we've, we've got that image of Jesus calling the disciples on the beach. We've got this, this stained glass window, glamorized version of the disciples. These really saint-like figures just floating behind Jesus. Now, let me give you some real context of who these guys were. Peter was a rough salt-of-the-earth guy. And I bet his language, language would have made most of us blush. He's that awkward guy at the other party who is swearing like a trooper, and you're like, Aish, 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 my pastor's here. Careful, 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 careful. That's Peter. Matthew, I can imagine, was an accountant type. Well studied, bit, bit of a suck up. You know, he's that sort of guy. We'll say no more about the accountants. We love you. <laughs> then there's Simon. He's what they call a zealot, a religious conspiracy theory nut job who all he wants was to get a Pharisee party into power and everything will be better. That guy, have you voted for them? Have you? That guy. Then we could bring up our mate Judas. Oh, Judas. Bit of a slimeball, greasy, slick back hair. Shifty eyes. A guy, when you see him, he's like, how are you? Like, I'm blessed. Like, why are you rolling your S's like that? And he's the sort of guy, when the offering basket comes around, he gives and takes some change. You know, that guy. <laughs> 
Uh, not very trustworthy. And yet, it was those guys who were called in Jesus, those guys who, who at every level were opposed to one another. Every level, God says, you come follow me and I'll make you together into something powerful. Yeah. And I can imagine Peter saying, Jesus, I love this, but I don't dig that guy, Judas. Can I, can I have a Zoom slot? I, I'm, I, I really don't dig this. Like, I don't want to be with those dudes. I love you, but those dudes, please. Judas still hasn't paid me back from years ago. But God, Jesus doesn't give them an optional extra. He says, no, you guys follow me together. I'm making you into a community. And when I say that, I want to tell you about things in our community. We've got things on a Monday night that's happening. It's powering called recovery. It's where people who have been battling with addictions or the effects of addictions within their family come and in a, in a sense, metaphorically, they unmask themselves. They unmask themselves and say, I'm not okay. I've got a whole lot of rubble, but God isn't finished with me yet. And God is doing miracles on Monday nights. And I want to tell you, it's not on an individual basis, it's in community. I want to tell you about things called life groups in our church. And, I, and they are things that, are, that happen weekly, a weekly rhythm where we take this gathering, the online gathering, we do it in homes, we do it in smaller groups where we discuss, but more importantly, we do life together. Not, not, it's not primarily a Bible study, we do study the Bible, it's not primarily a prayer meeting, we do pray, but it's doing life around Jesus, following Jesus as he makes us. And I want to tell you, let me say this, the greatest warfare, I believe, the greatest spiritual warfare in this season will be pitching up to life group, pitching up to community moments, pitching up to serve when you do not feel like it. The greatest enemy is not the enemy that's out there, it's the greatest enemy is here that's crippling us and pulling us to rampant individualism. Can I ask you, would you risk vulnerability in the season when everything else is saying protection, put walls up, keep people at bay, social distance, but also spiritual distance, keep people away? Will you risk vulnerability? Will you, I want to tell you this, he has a promise to you. If you take up this call, you will get hurt <laughs> because there's a whole lot of dirt. Everyone else is bringing their dirt together. But let me tell you another promise, you will get healed. You will get healed. You will get formed. You will get fashioned in community. Because this is my promise to you as Life Change Church. We won't put bandages on soul-level wounds. Too many people are doing that. There's deep aches and pains, and we're just strapping it up and hold it together. That's not what we preach. We preach a Savior whose wounds were bared for all to see. So we could come with our wounds and our diseases and our pains and our insecurities and our deficiencies and say, Jesus, heal me. Make something beautiful out of my dirt. This is who we are, and I want to say this. It's messy. It's dirty. It's the only way we're going to grow. Third and final thing, intimacy, community. Thirdly, you, were, you and I were made for mission. You see, I love the scripture. It says this. God breathes life over Adam, joins him together with Eve, and puts him in community. And this incredible phrase says this in chapter 2. says, and God placed Adam in the garden to tend the soil to work the soil, to pick up the mandate with him. God basically invites him, you're gonna partner with me, boy. It was in the, the best way for me. I'm not a, I'm not a deep guy. I, I get a lot of my theology from Disney music, movies. So stick with me. It's just an aside. It's a joke, it's a joke. But it's vivid in my head. A moment we all know, the Lion King moment, where, where, where they stand together, where the father, Mufasa, and the son, Simba, sit together. And he looks down and says, everywhere the light touches is our kingdom. I wish I could do it in a deeper voice. Let me try it. Everywhere the light touches is our kingdom. Just like, and what about those dark places? That's Joburg, son. No, I'm just joking. 
Just a joke. Hold on, hold on. If you're from Joburg, we love you. We're praying for you, praying harder for you than you think. But here's the understanding is that I do, I have this sense in my heart that actually God is, he's called us into intimacy, he's called us into community, but for a purpose, not for our end, but for more, there's more. And actually, this is the understanding that actually in this season, I believe it more than ever, it's always been prevalent in the human heart, but selfishness, self-preservation, and let me say it this way, I'm going to offend someone here, self-care, this thing that parades itself as self-care, you owe it to yourself, is killing people. Because let me tell you, who there's no such thing in the Bible called self-care. Here's the understanding. He is the shepherd carer of your soul, not you. All you're doing is putting bandages and holding yourself back and not finding healing. You just yourself are moving your own dirt around. Here's the understanding. In Matthew 16, Jesus says this way. So maybe you're angry with me. Let me quote it this way. Self-help. This is Jesus saying himself, Matthew 16. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. Everyone else says, find yourself, go deeper within. The Bible says, find yourself, give yourself away. I want to tell you, when we don't do this, when we don't live with purpose, that's why the biggest thing that's been crippling the church is we've almost felt like we've lost our purpose a bit. We're looking around. That's why we're preaching vision, because we forget so quickly what we're called to. That's why we're saying, no, this is what we're called to, reach far. Raise up, release wide, because otherwise our souls will start to shrivel. And I said it earlier, but the, you grow best when you give yourself away. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical. It is just a principle that actually we grow when we give ourselves away. If, you want, if your marriage feels like a whole bunch of dirt, a whole bunch of rubble, and you're just trying to put the pieces together and bandage it together and keep it going, here's your, my, my suggestion to you. Serve. Give yourself away for your spouse. Counseling helps, Yes. Accountability helps, yes, but can I tell you, it starts with serving, humbling yourself and saying, I give myself away for you. It's sore, it's hard, but that's how God works. Can I tell you, you were made, you and I were made to get our hands dirty. The church were made not to put be uh, barriers up and say, that's them and this is us. No, the church was made to get our hands dirty in the dirt of this earth. A.W. Tozer said it best for me. He said, it's time for the church to throw down the white picket fence Christianity and pick up the danger-encircled path of obedience and sacrifice. Oh, there's something in me that starts to roar. Something in me that goes, yeah, that's the Christianity I want. That's the Christianity I want. That's the, the, I want to follow that. And Jesus said best, he said, come follow me and I will make you, I'll fashion you intimacy into a community to be fishers of men. This thing is going to go beyond you. This thing is going to outlast you. This thing is going to grow and going to grow and going to grow. And there's a, a Venn diagram. Just, that's, just to help us understand this, if we can have a look at it. Intimacy, community, mission. Let me tell you, when you start to grow, for us at Life Change Church, is where those three meet. You cannot fully grow and mature into all that God has got for you until you pick up all three. Come follow me. I will make you in the community to fishers of men. We do that in community. I want to tell you today, take the opportunity. There's a form on your seat right now. If you have still not signed it in, I hope that you're convinced now that that form is for your growth, for your maturity. If you're not clicked on the link yet, serve, 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 serve. It's much bigger than there's a need for me every three weeks What's the roster. No, this is eternity. This is God fashioning us out of the dirt. And it's hard, it's sacrifice, it's sore, but he's raising us up. 
Here's the thing, though, as I start to take this in a different direction to bring it to conclusion. Genesis 2, that's the outline. Intimacy, community, mission. But then what do they do? They sin. They pull themselves away from intimacy with God and hide. Enmity between man and and his wife comes in, and they start to blame one another. Community gets destroyed. And the mission is for God, as they say, actually, we'll give up the planet, we'll take the fruit, thank you. We'll give up the soil, tending the soil, we want to feed ourselves. And intimacy, community, and mission are sacrificed in the name of pleasure, sin, idolatry. And let's be honest, we're still doing that every day. Here's the thing in Genesis 3. Genesis 3 concludes with the, the curse over humanity. It says this, from dust you were born to dust you will return. God said, no, I, God, in the beginning, made them out of the dust to something beautiful. But because of our sin, we said, no, we, all we are is just a bit of dirt. We, that's who we are, living from dust to dust. And the incredible thing is all the way from that moment, if you read Scripture and you follow the, the narrative, every time the word dirt or dust is used, it's used in a negative context from that moment. You see, when they're mourning, when they're sad, when there's mourning in Scripture and they've lost someone, and many of us have lost things, we feel the deep anguish of a soul and that the rubble of those relationships have been lost and people have died and people have been uh, angered us and we've been, the, there's mourning. What happens is in the Bible, they said they, they would toss the dust on their head to symbolize that And scripture tells us that when there was pain and distress, what they would do, the Bible said when they were in distress, they would sit in the dust. Sit in the dust until that pain would leave. They wouldn't move. Another thing says that, that when they were defeated by an enemy power and it had been embarrassingly submitted, what they would do, the enemy power would come and make them lick the dust. I won't do that now. But they'd have to lick the dust to symbolize their defeat, to symbolize their shame. If there was hatred, what they would do is there was hatred between brother and brother, they'll throw the dust. They'll throw the dust to declare actually there's something barrier between us. And Jesus said it as well to his disciples, said if there's relational breakdown and they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet, have nothing to do with them, walk on. But then I mentioned a man named Jesus. He comes into the story. You see, before this, we're defined by our dust. And I want to say this, the best that religion can do, the best fame can do, the best money and achievements and denial can do is just get us moving our dust around. Religion can get us moved, but our hands will never be clean. Just a bandage on the wound, but nothing moving forward. But then Jesus comes, and he is born, God himself, the one, the gardener who fashioned the creation of the earth, sends his son into our dirt, into our poverty, into our obscurity, into our earth, into our dust, he sends Jesus. And here's the amazing thing, as Jesus starts to grow, we find the story in John chapter eight. A woman who has been betrayed intimately, she's given herself away and she's pulled herself out of community and she's living for her own pleasure, living for her own sin. And she's caught in adultery and she's pulled by the religious elites in front of Jesus. And they say, Jesus, the law says we must stone her. What do you say? And Jesus does something so remarkable. Jesus bends down, does not say a word, bends down, starts to draw in the dust. Scholars don't tell us what he wrote. We don't know what he wrote in that. But I want to tell you that John is alluding to a story that happened before. A God who makes beautiful things out of the dirt. Let me tell you in this way, that actually Jesus himself showed us the fulfillment of this. At near at the end of his life, the Bible tells us that he died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, he became our sin. 
didn't just take it on himself, didn't just wear it for a bit. He became our dirt, our brokenness, our, our, our wickedness. He became it on the cross. He became it, but not only that, he became it, but then he was buried into our dirt. And in that one action, Jesus, God himself fulfilled the curse. From dust he was born and to dust he returned. Genesis 3 was sewn up. The curse was redeemed by that man named Jesus. And here's the thing, the incredible thing with that story though, it doesn't end with that. It ends on a Sunday when a lady named Mary arrives at the tomb weeping. Why? Because the intimacy that she was being pulled into by Jesus had been destroyed in her eyes. He is gone. She's weeping. The community that was forming that, that pulled women into a story that they were normally excluded from, that story of uh, she'd been pulled in, all of a sudden, they're all running away, scattered. The mission that we were going to change the world, go and make disciples, we're going to do it, has gone because Jesus has died. And there she is weeping. And the scriptures tell us this. In John chapter 20, she says this, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. The first image we see of God in Genesis 1 is of a gardener in our dirt. The first image we get, humanity gets, after the resurrected Christ is that of a gardener. The gardener has returned. And he says, I fulfilled the curse and I still make beautiful things out of the dust. As we land this morning, I want to tell you God is saying, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not finished with your marriage yet. I'm not finished with your individualism yet. I'm not finished with your addiction yet. I am still fashioning. I'm still forming you. Will you pick up the call to come follow me? Will you pick up the call to be formed into a community? Will you pick up the call to be fishers of men? And it's dirty, it's hard, it's sacrificial, but it's the only way to grow by placing your hands, your life in the hands of the gardener. I want to say this. Maybe today you're here with every eye closed in this moment, please, every I closed even behind your screen right now. I believe the spirit of the living God is speaking to people. I want to tell you, maybe you're here and you've pulled away from him. You've pulled away. You've rejected him, his advances. You've run away far and you feel so far away from the intimate call from God saying, I made you from me and for me. You've run off to other pleasures. Maybe you've isolated yourself from community. You've isolated yourself from him. Maybe you feel purposeless. Maybe you feel like your life is just a whole bunch of dirt right now and you're trying to make sense of it. I want to tell you right now, today is the day to place your life in the hands of the gardener because he is here to raise you up. He is here to form you, to fashion you, to mold you, to shape you, to take your dirt and make it into something beautiful. I want to just say in this moment, our response is to pour out our dirt, pour out our sin, pour out our weakness, pour out our frailty onto him. He has my guarantee he will make something glorious out of your dirt.